Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Those beautiful lyrics are from the old gospel song, Come Thou Fount, written by Robert Robinson over 260 years ago. Such a cherished truth among the saints it is. Listen to the lyrics of the full third verse. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. As his children, we are totally reliant on God's grace and his sustaining power. Nothing else will suffice. We are approaching very bad times such as this world has never seen, even the end of this world as we know it. The great taking up of the church to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds approaches swiftly. It is possible that we have entered the great seven-year tribulation period that leads to Armageddon itself. If you and I ever ran the race, it's time to run it now. Prepare to meet your God. Those of you visiting today who have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the day of reckoning is upon you. The prophet Joel pens these words in Joel 3.14, Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. It's time for you to move now. Many will neglect this warning and they will be lost for all eternity. Don't let that be your end. In a few seconds, I will offer you a simple prompt that will change everything, and I mean everything. Follow me, and today will be the best day of your life, and tomorrow will be better. Today, all your sin and its shame will be expunged from your record. Today, all of Satan's bondages will be broken. The bigger, the better. Today, Jesus Christ will become the Lord and Savior of your life. Today, you will receive power to live a glorious and joyful life. Are you ready? Here's the prompt. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Revelation 8, 10, and 11, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. God said, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. God said, Matthew twenty-four twenty-nine through 30, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Man said, Let's get right to the point. The Bible is hate speech. 
The God of the Bible condemns drunkenness, dope, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, LGBT, QRSTUV, and so much more fun stuff. You get my point? It's hate speech. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1022, that will for the 1022nd time prove the glorious, supernatural, God-offered and inerrant Holy Bible. All of these magnificent features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. God said, man said, has no denominational affiliation. We are sola scriptura, scriptures alone. Jesus Christ started no denomination, but in him is the body of Christ. The scriptures should be received as written and not through a particular denominational filter. Keep in mind that the name of Jesus Christ listed in Revelation 19.13 is the Word of God. My allegiance must be to the Word of God. The Word of God describes the beginning and the end of this world. The exact date and hour of the end is not known to man, but man is instructed to watch for specific signs in the earth and heavens that will telegraph the approaching doom and supply the church with the needed urgency. The God Said, Man Said, 21 Signs of Doomsday series contains 48 published features addressing the biblical signs of the end. This feature, number 49, will highlight several signs and will add additional information to the Wormwood prophecy. Sign number one, Matthew chapter 24, 29 through 34. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Jesus said to learn a parable of the fig tree. A parable is akin to a puzzle that is offered up to be solved. The fig tree and the figs are often linked in the scriptures to Israel. Jeremiah chapter 24 is an excellent example. Jesus says in the verses above that the generation that sees the budding of the fig tree will not pass till all things he spoke of are fulfilled. For over 2,000 years, Israel was absent from the world's globe. But something unheard of, something miraculous occurred. On May 14, 1948, in one day, and by the mere stroke of a pen, Israel once again was added to the world's table of nations. The Bible prophesies this event approximately 2,800 years in advance in Isaiah 66, verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? 
who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. The fig tree has budded, and the generation that witnessed it is getting ready to pass. This parable is a major sign and critically pivotal to the end of the world as we know it. If someone had predicted in 1940 that such an event would occur and have it actually come to pass on May 14, 1948, that someone at that time would not have been given any serious consideration. But all of a sudden, in one day, Israel appeared right out of the blue, the budding of the fig tree. Sign number two, Daniel chapter 8, verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the fool, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. There is a clear pattern to God's judgment. When wickedness comes to a fool, his judgment falls. In the days of Noah, wickedness had come to a fool. Genesis 6 Five. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Genesis six eleven. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The judgment of God upon the Amorites was on hold in Genesis fifteen sixteen until wickedness came to a full. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. It was the same for the judgment of the wicked Sodomites and the annihilation of Sodom and Gomorrah. The coming of the Antichrist and the great and deadly day of Armageddon occurs when transgressors are come to the full. The world has arrived. Has wickedness come to the full? Consider this short list. Unbelief, the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Discarding God's holy word. Worship of man's knowledge, science, and medicine. Evolution has become the world's god of creation. Worship and glamorization of fornication. Hundreds of millions of babies dismembered while in the sanctity of the mother's womb. Adultery, divorce, child abuse, homosexuality, LGBTQ, and the rest of the alphabet and more. Pedophilia, questioning if one is a girl or a boy man-stealing of all forms, pornography addiction, digital addiction, drunkenness, dope addiction, a world filled with violence and imaginations continually evil. Jesus warns in Matthew twenty-four thirty-seven, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Wickedness has come to a fool, and the world is in a state of utter confusion of face. Sign number three, Daniel chapter 12, verse four. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. A large road sign on the way to doomsday reads, knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge is increasing. Years ago, the following paragraph was from the dean's message from the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. And it reads, we're all striving to keep up with the quantum leaps being made in all areas of knowledge. It's estimated that medical knowledge, for example, doubles every seven years, and scientific knowledge in the world is said to have doubled between 1450 and 1750, and then to have doubled again between 1750 and 1900. 
between 1900 and 1950. Human knowledge doubled once more, and then again from 1950 to 1975. Nile, it is believed, to double every 900 days. By the year 2020, global knowledge is predicted to double every 72 days, end quote. Sign number four. The final seven years leading up to Armageddon begins with a peace accord between Israel and the Gentile world. In the middle of the seven years, the son of perdition will break the covenant. The first two sentences in the feature Israel-UAE deal, a big win for Trump, found in the August 28, 2020 issue of the week read, The Trump administration just brokered a historic peace deal in the Middle East, said Alex Word in Vox.com. In return for Israel suspending its planned annexation of the West Bank, the United Arab Emirates will become only the third Arab nation to recognize the Jewish state and the first since Jordan in 1994. A few sentences later, the article states, It's a big win for Trump, said Daniel DePetris in WashingtonExaminer.com. The president becomes the first since Bill Clinton to sign a Middle East peace deal and gets a big, bold achievement to tout during the campaign, end of quote. Since the August 28 news release, Bahrain has also signed on to the peace accord, and other Arab states are expected to follow. If this is the historic peace accord of Daniel 9.27, then it surely appears that the great world-ending tribulation period has begun. Time will tell. And if remains, but not with a capital I. During this great tribulation period, it appears eminent, if not present. God's word speaks of stars falling from the sky, causing great catastrophic damage. This feature will pull from previous God Said, Man Said research and will update the Wormwood prophecy. Truly, the clock is really ticking. The following paragraphs are from the God Said Man Said 21 Signs of Doomsday Figs in Wormwood. In the Bible, the bodies of the heavens are called the sun, moon, stars, planets, and the host of heaven. These terms would include all that you see when you look into the heavens of outer space. The Word of God prophesies of stars falling out of the sky during the very last days, causing colossal damage and judgment to this earth. Could it be so? Could the Word of God be correct? According to reporting by Scott Carney in Discover Magazine, November 07, there are 185 identified sites on the earth which have been struck by celestial bodies, and this is only what has been found on dry land. In 1998, the U.S. Congress directed NASA to locate all asteroids near the earth that are two-thirds of a mile in diameter. Scientists claim this is of sufficient size to obliterate civilization as we know it today. In 2005, Congress asked NASA what kind of effort would be needed to identify 90% of near-Earth asteroids that are 460 feet in diameter and larger and to do it by the year 2020. Certainly there is increased global concern that the sky is falling someday soon. Hollywood recently jumped on the bandwagon with movies such as Deep Impact, Armageddon, and Asteroid. The scriptures clearly prophesy sudden impact, stars falling from the sky. 
Are there doomsday stars heading our way? In the same issue of Discover, an article was published under the title, What to Do Before the Asteroid Strikes. The subtitle reads, The Doomsday Rock is out there. It's just a matter of time. The following excerpts are from that article. In 2004, as a massive tsunami roiled through the Indian Ocean, killing hundreds of thousands of people, a dozen or so scientists quietly confronted an impending disaster potentially even more lethal. They had inside intelligence that a chunk of rock and metal roughly 1,300 feet wide was hurtling toward a possible collision with the most populated swath of Earth, Europe, India, and Southeast Asia. Furiously crunching numbers on their computers, the researchers put the odds of impact in the year 2029 at exactly those of hitting the number in a game of roulette, 1 in 37. We usually deal with one chance in a million, recalls Stephen Chelsea at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. This was absolutely extraordinary. I didn't expect to see anything like it in my career. By the end of the day on December 27, 2004, to the relief of the observers, archival data turned up trajectory information that rendered the odds of a collision nil. Nonetheless, in 2029, the asteroid dubbed Apophis, derived from the Egyptian god Apep, the destroyer, who dwells in eternal darkness, will zoom closer to Earth than the world's communication satellites do. And April 13, 2036, it will return this time with a 1 in 45,000 chance of hitting somewhere on a line stretching from the Pacific Ocean near California to Central America. Because Apophis was discovered during one of the world's greatest natural disasters, the worries about the impact went largely unnoticed. But that tense day, December 26, 2004, stunned the small group of astronomers who dutifully detect and plot trajectories of hundreds of thousands of millions of chunks of rock whizzing around the solar system. Though too small to end civilization, unlike the asteroid that may have doomed the dinosaurs, Apophis could have a punch comparable to a large nuclear weapon. Traveling at 28,000 miles per hour, it would heat up as it passed through the Earth's atmosphere, turning the dark rock into a fiery sun as it arced across the sky. Then it would either explode just above ground, as one most likely did in 1908, leveling a vast forest in the Tunguska region of Siberia, or gouge a crater 20 times its size. If it hit London, there would be no London, says Apollo 9 astronaut Rusty Schweikart who had closely followed the discussion of the potential 2029 impact. Slamming into the ocean, Apophis would create a tsunami dwarfing the one that killed more than 200,000 people around Indonesia, end of quotes. Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah when he returns, and geologists say a strong anomaly in regard to meteorites was happening during the year of the flood, which resulted in the total destruction of the earth as we know it. Dr. Andrew Snelling, in the January-March 2012 edition of Answers Magazine, under the heading of Did Meteors Trigger Noah's Flood, weighed in with the following. But what catastrophe might God have used to cause the Earth's crust many miles thick to crack? 
Some have suggested a meteorite or asteroid impact of unprecedented size and scope. Do we find any evidence? Geologists have discovered some gargantuous remnant craters and piles of debris left over from massive impacts that easily fit the bill. One example of an impact powerful enough to trigger the flood is the 56-mile-wide Ackerman Impact Crater in South Australia. It apparently resulted from a 2.5-mile-wide asteroid that slammed into the outback at almost 16 miles per second. The explosion would have been equivalent to the detonation of 50,000 to 100,000 hydrogen bombs at once. The impact blasted some of the pulverized pre-flood crystalline basement rocks to sites 280 miles away, and the debris accumulated in a layer 16 inches thick within some of the earliest flood deposits. The impact ages of 120 craters, as estimated using the secular dating methods, was tabulated. Secular geologists thus believe that large meteorites crashed into the Earth at a rate of 1 to 8 every 30 million years, but that rate was much higher in recent times. However, those scientists who believe that the bulk of the fossil record was deposited during the flood reach a very different conclusion. According to the flood model, the first 71 of these 110 impacts would have occurred during the year of the flood and the other 39 were spread out over the 4,500 years since the flood. The rate during the flood was catastrophic, 71 in one year versus an average of only one impact every 115 years. Even most of those 30 post-flood impacts likely occurred in the first few decades after the flood, as the catastrophic processes that triggered the flood slowed to today's snail's pace. We cannot be certain whether God used an asteroid or swarms of asteroids to begin the flood event and the resulting breakup of the Earth's crust into plates. However, we do find evidence that asteroids were striking the Earth at catastrophic rates during the flood and that these asteroids were spread over the Earth's surface. Asteroids surely contributed greatly to the horrific and violent geologic events that took place during God's year judgment of the earth, end of quote. Does secular science confirm Dr. Snelling's assessments? In November 2007 issue of Discover Magazine, environmental archaeologist Bruce Massey had this to say. Massey's biggest idea is that some 5,000 years ago, a three-mile-wide ball of rock and ice swung around the sun and smashed into the ocean off the coast of Madagascar. The ensuing cataclysm sent a series of 600-foot-high tsunamis crashing against the world's coastlines and injected plumes of superheated water, vapor, and aerosol particles, particulates, excuse me, into the atmosphere. Within hours, the infusion of heat and moisture blasted its way into jet streams and spawned super hurricanes that pummeled the other side of the planet. For about a week, Material ejected into the atmosphere plunged the world into darkness. All told, up to 80% of the world's population may have perished, making it the single most lethal event in history. End of quote. Mr. Massey's calculations fit in well with the global flood in the days of Noah, which took place 4,356 years ago. Update, that's more like about 4,400 years ago.
Revelation 8, 10 and 11 speaks of a falling star called Wormwood that corrupts one-third of the world's freshwater supply. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. The star Wormwood will cause the water to become bitter, and many will die from drinking it. Science now knows this is a very real possibility. The following paragraph titled, Hydrogen Cyanide Polymers on Comets, was published by C.N. Matthews and R. Ludicky of the University of Illinois Department of Chemistry. The original presence on cometary nuclei of frozen volatiles such as methane, ammonia, and water makes them ideal sites for the formation and condensed phase polymerization of hydrogen cyanide. We propose that the non-volatile black crust of comet Halley consists largely of such polymers, dust emanating from Halley's nucleus contributing to the comet and tail would also arise partly from these solids. Indeed, secondary species such as CN have been widely detected as well as HCN itself and particles consisting only of H, C, and N. Our continuing investigations suggest that the yellow, orange, brown, black polymers are of two types. Ladder structures with conjugated minus C equals N minus bonds and polymades are readily converted by water to polypeptides. These easily formed uh, macromolecules could be major components of the dark matter observed on the giant planets Jupiter and Saturn, as well as on other solar system bodies such as asteroids, moons, and other comets, end quote. Cogwriter.com weighs in with the following under the heading, NASA indirectly confirms Wormwood prophecy. In addition to looking like a star falling from the heavens, looking like a torch, and an asteroid could possibly do that, Comets normally appear with cyanogen. Astronomers state hydrogen cyanide on comets may be their source of cyanogen gas. Interestingly, the cyanogen gas mixes with water to form hydrogen cyanide, which has an almond odor and a bitter taste and reportedly causes death at concentrations of over five parts per million. NASA scientists now know that at least 1,000 nearby asteroids could do that and have long known that certain comets could do this as well. End of quote. The water not only turns bitter, but deadly. End of quotes. The following excerpts are from Thomas Horne's 2019 book, The Wormwood Prophecy. Furthermore, I am not alone in my conspiratorial thinking of a cover-up by national space agencies, including NASA. In a recent peer-reviewed paper, an empirical examination of wise slash neowise near-Earth object wide-field infrared survey explorer, asteroid analysis and results, physicist Nathan Mirvold, former chief strategist and chief technology officer at Microsoft and a true polymath and working scientist who has published original research in paleobiology, climatology, and astronomy, refutes asteroid data from NASA as suffering from systematic errors and inconsistencies regarding potentially deadly NEOs. 
Just short of whistleblowing, Mirvold goes on to charge NASA with deliberately excuse me, misreporting the number of threats by near-Earth objects being tracked by their Neowise project, accusing scientists at the space agency of behaving extremely deceptively with deliberate scientific misconduct and a cover-up of very real and potentially eminent space threats. The very NASA managers who should have been supervising the project were more interested in protecting it from scrutiny, he writes before adding, The issues I am calling misconduct in the Neowise papers were not inadvertent. They appear to have been deliberately choice, uh, deliberate choices made repeatedly by the Neowise team over a long period of time. These actions have caused the astronomical community to work under the false belief that the Neowise results are more accurate, having smaller errors, than the evidence warrants. In other words, Mirvold's uh, findings suggest the largest database in the world with more data than all other sources combined of information detailing diameter, albedo, and other properties of approximately 164,000 asteroids is suffering from intentionally manipulated information at worst an inadequate analysis at best, with the net result being what the public is being kept in the dark regarding. What? As detailed later in this book, recent concerns voiced by other experts agree with mine and Mirvold's and stem from variations in the formula for pi, which could mean a difference in the calculated trajectory of the soaring masses in space. If an asteroid or meteor in question is described with phrases such as skim past when its orbit near Earth is referenced, small errors in calculation would equal big consequences for our planet. For example, one mathematician, Harry Lear, recently asserted the claim that the formula used to calculate the trajectory of Apophis, a massive asteroid studied later in this work by NASA scientists, Pi equals 3.14159265 should have been 3.14460551 with the golden ratio number calculated as 1.61803389. According to Lear, this miscalculation leaves the space agency's numbers off by 901,434 kilometers too short for Earth and 831,517 kilometers for Apophis, which Lear implies would send Apophis crashing into Earth in less than 10 years from now on April 13, 2029. Lear has sent an open letter to President Trump and U.S. government agencies begging them to cross-check these calculations immediately, even though he ends his dispatch with an ominous admonition that we may already be out of time. The enormous asteroid Apophis will reportedly pass disturbingly close to Earth on April 13, 2029, approximately nine years from the publishing of this book. According to NASA's website, in fact, NASA admits Apophis in 2029 will be so close to Earth it will put some of our orbiting satellites in peril and even be visible in the daytime sky. Of course, this is only one scenario that makes sense to me. And some scientists, based on the description in the book of Revelation, another possibility involves a second celestial body 
officially called 2018 LF-16, currently making its way through space on a risk trajectory that might cause it to collide with Earth and engage in not one, but a staggering 62 different potential impact trajectories with our planet. Editor, keep in mind, God's Word reports stars will fall like figs as he shakes heaven and earth. The orbit of this asteroid has been monitored by NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which has calculated the mass trajectory in an effort to mark its future course. Experts are saying this space rock, like Apophis, will safely pass Earth, but they admit that with so many potential collision points throughout the body's orbit, the likelihood of impact could increase greatly should something unexpectedly alter its course. If 2018 LF-16 were to hit the Earth, the damage stands to be only marginally less devastating than that of Apophis, since the 2018 LF-16 is slightly smaller. However, with such a higher numeric possibility of collision, the first of which is very soon, August 8, 2023, it remains an equally formidable threat despite its smaller mass. The asteroid is traveling through space at approximately 33,844 miles per hour and is estimated at about 700 feet across, twice the height of the Statue of Liberty in New York and four times as tall as Nelson's Column and Trafalgar Square, large enough to be considered a country killer, were it to collide with Earth with a cataclysmic collision that would generate the destructive power of a 57-megaton nuclear blast, creating a forceful explosion, equal equal to that caused by the Tsar bomb in 1961. The Soviet RDS-202 hydrogen bomb called the Tsar bomb by Western nations was the most powerful nuclear weapon ever detonated. By comparison, this means that the devastation of the mass in question would be more than 1,500 times that of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs combined, and 10 times more powerful than all the munitions expended during World War II. Opposed to my preferred scenario earlier with the hypothetical scientist and evaluation of Revelation 8, Trumpets 1 through 4, as a successive event, could 2018 LF-16 alternatively be when the second angel sounds, possibly in the year 2023, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire is cast into the sea, followed six years later in 2029 by the third trumpet and a second large asteroid called Wormwood? Will either of these near-date collisions thus provide the fulfillment of the book of Revelation's apocalyptic vision? End of quote. So many signs say so very close, but most will be caught unawares even as the days of Noah. If we are at the end of time, we will see global pandemics, riots in the streets, wickedness to abound, full global confusion to face, economic disasters, historic peace accords, earthquakes, tsunamis, stars falling like figs, and the rest of the book of Revelation. When this judgment is done, the world will have arrived at Armageddon. A small fraction of the world's population will survive. As in the days of Noah, the ark is now boarding. Get on before it's too late. Click on the further with Jesus. Prepare to meet your God. 
God said, Revelation 8, 10 through 11, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. God said, Daniel twelve four, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. God said, Matthew twenty four twenty nine and 30, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Man said, Let's get right to the point. The Bible is hate speech. The God of the Bible condemns drunkenness, dope, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, LGBT, QRSTUV, and so much more fun stuff. You get my point. It's hate speech. Now you have the record.